Welcome to the Rainbows and Rain podcast, the podcast for early interventionists. My name is Erica, and I'm an ECSE teacher in Minnesota. This podcast is about connecting through stories and reflecting on our practices during visits. Hear how I try to put best practice and research to work on the road and on real visits, and how I sometimes find humor in it all. I hope this podcast helps you connect and reflect on your own visits and interactions with families. Don't forget the podcast is now on Instagram, so you can check it out there at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast. Welcome to what is episode 23 of the R&R podcast. Thank you for listening. And today I continue to reflect on my own coaching journey, my own journey in working with families in early intervention, and how I just try and make everything all work, right? So every family is just really different, and there's just so much, I think, evolving in our practice in the in the early intervention world. And uh, yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, there's something I want to share a little bit about. I've just, you know, I kind of watch the data trends on the podcast and see what people are really listening to and interested in hearing more about. And I know coaching is a big topic, uh, but for a lot of people and myself included, when I started out on this coaching journey, a lot of it with my peers as well and colleagues, a lot of it was, okay, I get it. That's what you do, or that's what you're supposed to say, or that's what it's supposed to look like. But how do you actually get there? How do you get from reading about it and wanting to do it and wanting your visits to look, you know, very family focused and putting parents in the driver's seat. Um, how do you, how do you get there? It's like knowing what to say and when to say it and also, you know, making it feel very natural. So for myself, that was really hard and for a lot of my colleagues as well. So a few years ago, we worked in sort of a collaborative professional development opportunity, and I worked on some catchphrases because it was like everyone kind of kept saying, you know, you listen to the trainings or you read about it, or if you're reading about it in the books, there's the scenario scripts and everything like that. And everyone kept saying, or the literature kept saying, you know, have your your line, your scripts, your your questions, your open-ended questions, your reflective questions ready. Well, what the heck are those, right? And each one, you know, fits differently with everyone's style and personality and things like that. So I uh, started kind of developing some catchphrases because I really like the word catchphrase. I know it's a game, but I don't know how to play the game. Otherwise, I'd use that analogy too. But um, coaching catchphrases is what I really wanted to work on. So the definition of a catchphrase is a word or expression that is used repeatedly and conveniently 
to represent or characterize a person, group, idea, or point of view. Man, isn't that every single one of our visits? Um, so I, I really like this idea of having your own catchphrases. Uh, while I was doing this work, I collected several, you know, in the, between the readings, the literature, observing people and listening to different trainings. I collected a whole bunch that, uh, are in the five that are within the five coaching, Practices, those characteristics of joint planning, observation, action practice, reflection, and feedback, and joint planning. I think I already said joint planning. But anyways, um, okay, so I'm going to share with you today some of my go-to catchphrases. These are phrases that work for me that I have found connect parents with what we're trying to do on the home visit. So for example, I'm going to start off with joint planning. So the definition of joint planning really quickly is what the parent slash caregiver decides they want to work on in between visits and also what will be the focus of the next visit. So there's kind of two parts to this joint planning. I'm going to, I'm going to tackle the first part because for me that's easier. Um, so sometimes if parents have just kind of, let's say the visit, this is a good catchphrase, where the visit is going in every different direction. We've talked about like things are kind of just a mess and you can see kind of parents spiraling and they're just unpacking a lot of stuff. What you're talking about behaviors, you're talking about sleep, you're talking about language. It's like we've talked about so much today or you've shared so much with me today. I'll, I'll use this phrase. Given everything we've discussed today, what do you want to work on until our next visit? I'll even use that during the visit for like right now. So right now, you've just shared a lot of information with sleep, with uh, feeding, with language. Tell me what's at your top of the list right now. So that's kind of, um, that that question works a couple of different ways. Um, at the end of visits, I like to say, so what's your plan for the week? Do you feel like you have a good plan for what you're going to work on? Uh, and that leads to the to the joint planning. Uh, some other, some other great ones too, especially if you're, if there, if it's a little bit of a messier visit where you're getting into the weeds on a lot of different topics, like I said earlier, what are you struggling with right now? So that kind of helps again, kind of reel it in and focus it more on what trying to get the parent to prioritize on something even though they're kind of sharing many, many, many things with you. It's impossible to tackle all those things. So what do you want to focus on right now? What are you struggling with the most? So those are some catchphrases I like to use that focus on the in-between visit planning. So what are they going to do in between the visits? And then the next visit planning I want to say I am really loose with this because things can change throughout the week. Um, And this is also the time where 
if you are a person that you want to trial something in the home or you want to try something they don't have access to. So for example, maybe it's a sensory bin or a peanut ball or AT in that regards. Um, I kind of use sensory as a, as a example for a lot of that because I feel like it's something that parents need to see before they buy into it. So if I'm running up against that, I'll say to families, next week I could bring blank and we could see if that's something you want to explore, if it's something you want to use, if it's something that we even think might be helpful for your child. So if you are going to bring something out, uh, I've also brought out books, for example. So if I have kids that are working on language and they're at a certain stage where I want to work on repetitive phrases and books that repeat themselves, so there's that increased opportunity. And let's say they're struggling with that routine of sitting and looking for books, if that's something the family does. I will often say, and I, I use the word often just in cases where like, if it's appropriate. So if it's appropriate, would it be okay if I brought out some examples of repetitive textbooks? So we're talking books like Brown Bear and things like that, or Where's Spot? Because I want to model a specific strategy with something they don't have access to that might work and they might want to use. And then we would go down the road of, well, how how do we get access to these books? Do we need to do a visit at the library or get a library card? Or um, do, do you ever go to Goodwill or thrift stores or bookstores? So it's part of that parent education part too, where you're kind of, you're, you have to educate, um, developmentally where their children are at to get the buy-in to a specific strategy. So I, if I'm going to bring something out, it is most definitely always during that joint planning that happens at the end of the visit. So, and that's definitely my go-to catchphrase. And I always leave it in the hands of the parent, the decision lies with the parent. So for example, um, next week, would it be okay? Or would you want to trial? Or would you like to see this? So it's not like I'm going to do this and we're going to work on this. So that's where I like to leave that. Again, the joint plan is like your flight plan. Don't leave the visit without one. It happens at the beginning of every visit, reviewing the previous plan, wrapping up, talking about what's going to be worked on, and maybe what the focus is for the next visit. Okay, moving on to observation. So the coach directly observes the parent or caregiver, or sometimes the coach models and expands on what the parent or caregiver is doing, and the parent and caregiver observes. So observation can go both ways. Of This is something I think everyone struggles the most with because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable asking, 
I want to see how you do that. Or I want to observe that. Or, you know, it's just, it's an uncomfortable thing. So at least that's the, definitely the feedback I saw on Instagram. Or it's one of the most awkward things is another good word for it. It's just a little bit awkward. What I like to say about observation is that it should be an invitation, not an expectation. So the catchphrases that I use when I want to observe the caregiver, I will honestly say things like, can we try it right now? Is that something you want to try right now? Or can you show me how you do that? Or can you show me more about what uh, you're talking about? Or can you show me what you're using? Or can I see what that looks like? Um, So, or do you want to try it with me here? So it's always kind of a yes, no invitation because I don't want to feel like they're on the spot with that. Sometimes I'm just having a really hard time understanding what they're explaining to me. So I'll just say, I'm having a hard time understanding that. Can you show me? Or if they're like talking about a situation, like let's say the routine is bath time and bath the bath routine is just not going well. It's a fight. It's a struggle. It's a mess. And Obviously, you can't observe bath time, but I will ask the caregiver, can you walk me through your routine in the bathroom so I can see what that looks like? Because if you're not observing or not able to um, observe the actual routine, maybe you can at least observe the space or the tools that they are using during that routine, and that might help. And that is also a lot less stressful. Um, or awkward, whatever, whatever the, the adjective is there. So those were examples of catchphrases that are invitations for the caregiver to allow me to observe something. So let's flip the script a little bit and talk about when we want the caregiver to observe us. And so this is also known, of course, as modeling. Uh, Be very, very careful how you model. And obviously, modeling is sometimes really, really necessary. Um, And modeling is different than assessing. So when you think about assessment and you're wanting to like assess skill or, you know, I think of PTs and or when I'm working with babies and I really want to get a feel for Uh, how their body is moving and how their body feels, we obviously need to put our hands on the child and things like that. I will explain that to a parent ahead of time. So I think about this visit. It was the first visit I actually had um, with a six-month-old who has Down syndrome. And mom is really great. It's It's their first and their only. And it was our first visit. Hadn't seen them in a long time since the IFSP and things like that. Is it okay if I pick her up and kind of like see how she's moving and see how she's rolling and putting, you know, getting her hands up? This was after lots and lots of discussion, but I wanted to touch her. I wanted to feel her, right? She's a baby and she's on the floor and who doesn't want to hold a baby? But I also am going to explain what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So for example, I'll use catchphrases like, can I show you a different way? Or is it okay if I give that a try? And then I always 
afterwards with the modeling or when I have them observe me. And honestly, this is both ways. If you're observing them, you reflect afterwards. If they're observing you, you reflect afterwards. So it shouldn't just be a constant visit of you just modeling and modeling and modeling or assessing and model and assessing and model. That's not what it should be. So um, tip for for modeling and observing. Uh, Modeling should be intentional, not hopeful. Don't model and expect parents or caregivers know what to do without reflecting, without explanation, because without those two things, you're just hoping they know what to do. So a lot of what we know and what we do comes very natural to us. And because that's our profession, that's what we went to school for. For some caregivers, it's something, these are things they've never done before. So go slow. All right, moving on to the third coaching characteristic, action practice. So just to review action practice. These are opportunities the caregiver puts into practice what's been discussed during visits. This can happen during visits. It can happen in between visits. They can be spontaneous or planned events within daily routines. So practice to be, you know, get down to the, to the nitty gritty here. It's, it's, it's the doing part. It's the actual doing. It's working on the skill, implementing the strategy, finding a routine or an activity that it will work. There's only really a couple of catchphrases I use here. Uh, so for example, on our last visit, you were going to blank with Johnny. How did that go for you this week? Or on our last visit, you wanted to practice blank today. Is that still what you want to do? Or um, what do you want to plan for next week? So that's kind of the practice part two. And that will lead to the practice on the next visit. Again, a lot of coaching and the characteristics, they bleed and blend together. So again, practice is really just, it's the doing. I think about, I posted this on Instagram. I practiced yesterday with a mother and a son. She wanted to work on handholding and just walking by her. So we did that on a neighborhood walk that they typically do. Uh, but it was, what do you want to do? What do you want to plan for next week? What do you want to focus on? And she said, I want, I want to work on handholding. I want him to hold my hand and walk with me and listen and follow directions. And I said, okay, let's do it. So the practice was going on that walk and actually doing it. Okay. Fourth characteristic feedback. Information that is shared by the coach based on what the coach sees the parent or caregiver doing or what the parent or caregiver shares with them. This is your opportunity to share your expertise and inform parents and praise parents. So some of my favorites are, I understand what you're saying is, or I hear what you're saying, or you seem really happy about that. You were really smart to think about that. Or that's how I would have done that. Um, I agree with you and how you feel about that. That would be difficult. So again, it's just 
Letting parents know that their efforts are seen and their feelings and opinions are heard. Feedback gives them validation. It also gives you a chance to explore a little bit more about um, their child's development and how they're making progress and what they're actually doing. So for example, I see how you are implementing those deep pressure squeezes and they're really helping, you know, during ECFE classes. Um, way to go for for doing that. It so it's just those those things. Those really seem calming to him. What you did just there really, I feel like, calmed the situation. Or I like on my walk yesterday, I said to mom, I love that strategy, and she just came up with it on the fly. The strategy of this prompt on how to get him to come back, stop, come back, hold hand type thing. So again, it's your opportunity to inform, share that expertise in a really genuine way, and then praise them for what they're doing. Some last thoughts about feedback too. Feedback really encourages parents and caregivers to do the work. It helps them grow as they learn new skills and new ways of doing things with their children so that their children can make progress and improve in ways they want their children to improve. Okay, I saved the biggest one for last. And as you can guess, it's reflection. So reflection is huge. This happens most often after you've observed after you've practiced. Uh, Reflection is the coach asking questions to determine what did or did not work to hopefully help continue to improve the caregiver's knowledge and skills. So honestly, reflection kind of happens all the time. Or, or after everything you do, or at the beginning of a visit when they've shared like, hey, things are going really well. I don't have that problem anymore. Well, why not? Uh, so there are four types of reflective questioning, um, reflective questions, and they are awareness, analysis, alternatives, and action. So I'm just going to share a couple of questions um, or a couple of catchphrases phrases that I use during reflection because um, I kind of use some standard ones because they feel good to me and and I feel good about them and I'm comfortable with them. So awareness questions. What does the caregiver already know? There are typically who, what, where, and when questions. So you're gathering information. So my go-to number one question when parents are sharing Uh, obstacles or struggles is tell me what you have tried. What have you tried? Or if I am gathering information around behavior, it's when does this happen the most? How are you currently handling that? How did that work for you? What happened when you did blank? What went well What did you do that was the most helpful? Or what did you change? How could it go better? What could you have done to make it go better? Or did you notice anything about blank? So those are just a 
couple uh, awareness questions. There's a few in there that are my favorite. Uh, analysis questions. They compare what is going on to what the parent or caregiver wants to have happen. So these kind of examine sort of thoughts, feelings, actions, intentions, knowledge, that kind of thing. So a couple of catchphrases I use are, what do you know now after trying blank? What did you do that worked well? What do you think about blank? Or I wonder what would happen if. Is that what you thought was going to happen? So these, again, are just kind of analysis questions about feelings um, and thoughts and intentions and, and things like that. I also like the question, why do you think it went that way? Or why do you think that happened? The third type of reflective question is alternative questions. And these, this is the time to kind of brainstorm and share knowledge, share ideas. They seek to find a solution. Solution. So alternative questions. What else could you try? What do you have access to? What do you think you need to do differently? How might you go about doing that? What do you need in order to do that? What might make it work better next time? What are you going to do differently next time? When else could you do this? So again, they are, this is just pure brainstorming. Lastly are the action questions when it comes to reflective questioning. These help develop the joint plan a little bit and the plan for action. So for example, what do you have? What do you need to get? Where can you get it? When are you going to do this? I think about a visit I had just last week and mom was describing uh we got on the topic of sleep and their bedtime routine is anything from ideal. So we taught he's sleeping in a pack and play right now and it's in the living room versus a bedroom. She does have a bedroom in her apartment for him. It's just not set up. However, he just turned two. It's difficult to put him down. Mom works from home. So it, it came down to, we talked about how we the the living room isn't working anymore. And the end result or the end plan was we're going to move the pack and play into the bedroom. We're going to, you know, eliminate all sensory input whether it's light, sound, whatever. And we talked a lot about what do you need to do this? Or what do you have? Or and when are you going to do this? So she had this idea in her head that she should maybe get um, a toddler bed for him before she puts him in that room. And I asked some other reflective questions like, why do you, why do you think that? Or why do you think that will make a difference? So anywho, uh, those are the action questions when it comes to reflective questioning. So this episode really kind of piggybacks on the episode I did about the basics when it comes to the five coaching characteristics. However, come up with your own catchphrases. 
Come up with your own questions that will lead to checking for understanding with the caregiver or checking for follow through or getting buy-in when it comes to uh, routines-based intervention or coaching or whatever it is. Uh, I have some tips here too that I'll, I'll leave you guys with. So number one, the joint plan is essential to effective early intervention visits, and it should happen on every single visit. It does not need to be very detailed, and that next visit planning can be a little bit looser, but there should definitely, at the end of your visit, have your standard kind of question ready. Do you have a plan for the week? Do you feel like you have a plan? Um, what do you want to work on? in between visits now that we've talked about X, Y, and Z. And once you start to do that on every single visit, parents anticipate and know what you're going to ask. So they're prepared for um, what's to come too. Come up with a plan on how to observe the caregiver. Come up with your invitation. What does that look like? When, you're, when you want to observe a parent or a caregiver. I had a great visit with me and uh, the OT I work with on Monday, and we were working with um, a mom, and she's just, she's struggling with discipline. He's, he's almost three, and we were, we were like in the heat of it. We were like in the moment of it. He was having those meltdowns. He was having those tantrums and she was trying to set limits. And so it was a lot of like, what's hard for you right now? What is the expectation? Uh, cause her problem was she says no, but she gives in anyways. So it was trying to figure out. So for example, we were in the backyard and she said, no, you can't play with the water. I don't want the water on. But then she filled his bucket a little bit of water. And so I just kind of stopped and I said, what made you decide to do that? Or why did you put water in the bucket? Or why did, for actually, let me back up. I said to her, why didn't you want him playing with water? And then she explained to me, well, it's a little bit chilly. It's a little bit windy. I don't want to get wet. And then when he gets wet, he gets mad. And then we'll have to go inside. And then we'll have to. So she was trying to avoid this kind of snowball effect. And then I said, but then you gave him water in the bucket. And she's, well, I think that's okay because he can't. She, he, she thought he wanted to fill the water table. So it was all like in the moment, those opportunities to observe. Sometimes they come naturally. And sometimes you have to invite. It needs to be an invitation. Um, And if you get turned down on the first visit or like in the moment when you invite a parent to observe, ask if you can maybe try that next time and leave the invitation open for next time. So how about next time you show me what that looks like and we can come up with a better plan? If parents and caregivers have a chance to plan and prepare in their head a little bit about what's going to happen, especially if they're going to be put on the spot a little bit like that, it's it happens. You'll get more buy-in, I guess. You'll get more invitations that respond with a yes. If you sense hesitation from a parent or caregiver, let them know that that's okay if if they're not comfortable doing that. And maybe if you just remove the child, say, can you show me what that looks like? 
at the table, like what you use or how you present it. Um, if sh- if the parent or the caregiver doesn't need to necessarily uh, sh- be on the spot, kind of, you know, almost like they're being evaluated with how they interact with their child, remove the child. And when I say remove the child, I just mean observe that routine without the child. You'll still get great information from that. I'm going to wrap up this episode with uh, this thought too, this last tip. When you're working with parents and families and especially new moms, just basic needs and maternal or paternal mental health needs to be considered. So just kind of be aware and look for, you know, any signs, you know, that mom might have anxiety or the caregiver might be feeling, um, oh, this one mom I work with, she just has really low self-esteem. And every time, and I'm really careful what I model because she'll say, well, I didn't know how to do that. I wouldn't have thought about that. You're so smart. And I always put it back on her. Like, I, th- that's my job. I am here to help you. You're not expected to know these things. We're here to work together because you know your son best. I know some things, but you know your son best. Every parent is also grieving on some level, um, and it can be triggered by anything. So ask parents how they feel about using pictures to communicate or about using something to kind of help X, Y, and Z, especially if it's AT. So just ask parents how they feel about that. That's one of my standard catchphrases, you know, even when it comes to something simple like a sensory bin. How do you feel about doing some sensory play in the, in your backyard? Or how do you feel about meeting at a park? Or how do you feel about practicing that gate trainer um, in the store or out in the community? So again, so just check in on that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rainbows and Rain. I'll put some of these catchphrases up on the Instagram page. So look for that. And again, if you have any thoughts, ideas, feedback for the podcast, please share it with me on Instagram or send me an email. Please don't forget to rate, review, and follow the podcast. I do look at those reviews and those ratings. So thank you if you've left those and left that feedback. And I hope you join me again on another episode of Rainbows and Rain.